but I want to get back into the third part of this series that the Lord has laid on my heart. And, and, I, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time this morning doing a little recap uh, going over, not for the sake that you weren't here, but just for the sake that sometimes it's hard to remember everything that's being said. You know, the statistic says that you remember about 7% of what you hear. And, and I, I, I know that to be true because there's so many times that I'll sit down and not listen just to mine, but I'll listen to a sermon or I'll listen to someone preach. I'll listen to them again and again and again. You know, so the challenge is always there um, to, to, to go back, to view this online, to listen to it on the podcast. Uh, it, again, it's not anything that's about me, but it's just the reality is that God has such a, a word here. So I want to... So this week, you know, we're talking, uh, we're continuing our series called The Process. And as we can all see that plants, plants have a tendency, well, not the tendency, but they have a process in the way that they grow. And, and the first thing that we talked about, but before I get into that, I want to, we're going to be talking about uh, the process of growing. And this is part two to last week. Uh, we kind of left off and just kind of left a stage for you on that. Uh, but we're going to get to it. So I want to go to my flagship scripture again this morning in Psalms chapter 37, verses 23 through uh, 25. And it reads like this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Well, what does godly mean? Let's just think about that. What does godly mean? It, it means to be, what What? what was that one of our, our series earlier this, this year? Or just a matter of fact, a couple months ago, fellowship with the king. And fellowship means what? Anybody, I, I know this is a tough. That's why I said we only remember about seven percent. But this was one thing, man. You drop your sandal. But this is it, <laughs> it's okay, buddy. But 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 the reality is is, is like I said, that's that seven percent that sometimes it's hard to remember everything that's being said. That's why it's so important. That's why you know some people say, well, you know, I've read the Bible, you know, once in my life. Okay, but this is a never-ending story. This continues to go on. You know, every time I sit down, my prayer is this. Lord, show me what man can't. Show me what I've not seen before. So, so the golly, or is those that are walking in fellowship. So, the, so to get back to that, fellowship means mutual movement. You see how much I get off on a tangent real fast. Excuse me, he said, but the Lord directs the steps of the godly. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to direct? He's, he's pointing out the path. He's showing you the path that you should be taking. Now, he'll tell us which path we need to be taking, but that it becomes our choice in which path we take. So, But here's the, here's the great news about that is, is that he said the Lord directs the step of the godly. So this is these are the people that are being intentional about their fellowship with God. When you're being intentional about your walk with God, you're going to walk down the path that you're supposed to be walking down. There's going to be no question marks on that, uh, you know, because I've even, you know, witnessed to you before. I've had question marks over my head about being called to be a pastor, question marks over my head about starting a church. And then God begins to really minister to me in prayer. And that's what's so important about praying and just seeking the Lord. It's not just that you're just saying words, but, but sometimes, you know, you know, we ever, I'm going to use Micah, for example. You know, what's that I say to Micah? Michael, what happens when you go to sleep? 
my mouth goes to sleep. <laughs> That's a little joke that me and Micah has together, and I thought that he would never forget that, but I guess I hadn't said it to him in, in maybe a month, so he kind of dropped it on that one. But, but, but the reality is that when we speak to God, sometimes he's just waiting for us to shut up so he can speak too. We're guilty on that one? I mean, because sometimes we're just going, God, I just don't understand why these people are just being so mean at work. I just don't know why that my boss is always jumping down my throat. But if we would just shut up and just listen to what God has to say. And the reality is sometimes God doesn't. Now, I've only heard God. Well, I've never heard God audibly speak to me before, but I've, I've known people that have. But I'm going to tell you the most pr profound way that God speaks to me. It's through His Word. So if we're not in His Word, I mean, when I say every day, I mean every day. You know, we, we started doing a little marriage counseling last Sunday night. You know, and I asked a young lady, how often are you reading your Bible? Well, next thing she said, well, I need an accountability partner. I need somebody that will keep me accountable. Okay, I get it. So, so, but the reality is, is, is how, how are you going to ever, ever, ever hear somebody speak if you don't know what they're going to say. Sometimes it's hard to receive people that say things when we don't understand how they're going to say things. Say like Marissa, she knows daddy and she knows daddy's going to be uh, blunt. He's going to be to the point and he's going to say things the way that they need to be said. I, I don't sugarcoat a lot of things and that's fine. I just, I maybe like my daddy a little bit, but on the same token, uh, I really get that from God's Word. And the reason why I say that is because God never tippy-toes around His Word when He speaks. Did y'all ever read anything that He spoke to the scribes and the Pharisees? Uh, now, he was very blunt and upfront. And matter of fact, He would call them hypocrites. And and he was like, man, that's kind of that's that's very you're really rough around the edges, Jesus. No, it's just you know why he could say that is because he gave his life for them as well, and he willingly did that. So so he therefore earned the right to be able to do that. So with everybody else in the room, I love y'all in the same manner. And yes, I would lay down my life for you as well. Not that that would make me your savior by no means because I won't. But I'm just saying, I love your life more than I love my own life. And it took me a long time to get there. Uh, but anyways, uh, I'm already, you see, I don't know why y'all always let me forget to start my timer. But I've started, I put it at 50 minutes because I know I've already been going for 15. So, so bear with me here on that. And I ain't even get to the second part of this verse yet. So, so we'll go back to the beginning. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their life. Man, isn't that beautiful? That, that he, the, every facet of our life, He's interested in. He's very interested in every detail of our life and he orchestrates it so beautiful. But sometimes we know the process hurts, right? The process hurts. You know, and we as parents, we've had to put our kids through some processes and, and we just, we will watch the hurt and the frustration on their face about, you know, I, I'll just use a little small example for my kids sitting down and making them learn their multiplication tables. And and I ain't pointing the fingers at neither one of my two girls that are sitting here today. But oh <laughs> but 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 the reality is and she knows them now, but you know what? It was such agony for her 
to sit back and to learn them. Why? Because it was challenging. It was challenging. But you know, uh, the Lord's given me a new series that I'm probably going to preach into the new year. And, and, and I ain't even going to give you that one yet. I, I'm not going to give you that free one yet. But, uh, but the challenge is hard. But the reality is the reward that comes from the challenge. You know, I've kind of used the example before not to be derogative for anybody here. But I do have my YouTube set set not too kid friendly. So it does filter those type of things out but it's like a mother when she has a kid well what happens she's stretched to a position that seems to be impossible so so that is the same reality for us is that we become stretched to a point that it just does not seem to be possible for us to birth uh, certain things. So, so let me get back to here verse 24 it says though they stumble they will never fall Again, we just take the example. We understand this. You, when you walk with your kids, when they're a little kid, well, what do you do? You're holding their hand, right? So if they begin to stumble, what happens? They stumble, but they didn't fall to the ground. And, and when we walk with God in that same manner, God's not going to allow us to fall flat on our face. Now, if we fall flat on our face, it's because we chose not to hold His hand. We chose not to walk in the direction that God has called us to walk in. Excuse me, it said, once I was young, now I'm old. Who was now? Well, who was once young? And who's now old? Nobody in here is old. <laughs> you're just better. You're just better at it, is all. Pushing 30. Pushing 30. Uh, so, so now we get better. He said, yeah, I have never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. Again, we get back to this word godly. Yeah, I have never seen the godly, those that are pursuing God, those that are persistent, those that are intentional about their walk with God, God has never abandoned them. You know, and sometimes it does feel like we're alone. Sometimes it's like, God, where are you in this situation? But the reality is, is God is really testing to see if you trust Him. If you trust Him. It's not that He's abandoned you, but it's like, hey, you know, you're a big boy. You're a big girl now. You need to learn how to put your own britches on. You, you need to take my word and you need to begin to speak this over your life. You need to speak this over your situation. It's not that I've abandoned you, but hey, it's time for you to grow up and it's time for you to be self-sufficient in me. So... So if I could, I'm going to touch on my notes just like we always do here. So as we, as we enter into part three of this series, I want to recap a little bit about uh, to make today's word relative in our progress or process. In part one, we talked about dying. And we learned that dying simply means ceasing to exist. That's, that's all dying really means is to cease to exist. So if we die, we're no longer here, right? Our body might be here, but we're not here. You know, we've all seen people laying in a casket before. I mean, that's just a, we've all seen that. I'm, that's not being rude or, or just saying, hey, you know, well, you're going to die today. But it's just reality. We know what death looks like. And if we know what death looks like, then it should be symbolic in our relationship with God. Death, being dead to self, being dead to self. So dying means to cease to exist. So what does dying look like? Who are, uh, dying is who we were before we came to Christ is exactly what that means. Because we've all heard Paul say this before. We've heard the saying before, you know, that, that, that uh, you know, how does it go? 
that I'm a, I'm a new creation. You know, old things have passed away. Well, what are the old things? All of the things that were contrary to who Jesus is has passed away. In other words, they died with the old man. It's just like we were sitting the other week and saw a young man I hadn't seen in a couple years. You know, excuse me. And it's not that I needed to expound on that, but I just wanted him to be well aware. Hey, I'm not the person that you used to know. That's not who I am no more. I have radically been changed by God's Word. I've been changed by His heart. And if God has changed me, well, guess who else He can change? You. Every single one of us. But the question is, is are you going to let Him change you? Because He's not going to do it if you don't want Him to do it. And that's the beauty. That is the beauty of serving the Lord. Is that we allow Him to change us. So what's that saying? Y'all have heard me say before? We can't change God's Word, but God's Word can change us. Anybody want a card? I forgot I put that in there the other day. So God's Word can change us. And He changes us what? From the inside out. Inside out because what's inside will begin to reflect outwardly. And I don't want to get into next week's message on that part. Um, so dying to our ambitions, our goals no longer have a priority. You know, before, before I really gave my heart back to God, I don't want to say it this way, but for lack of better words, this go around, you know, because I once served the Lord and I served him, but there was so much that I was missing. There was so much that I was missing about a relationship with God. But on this go around, like I said, for the lack of better words is, uh, you know, I had an ambition, you know, because my trade, you know, I'm bivocational. Bivocational means I'm full-time pastor, I full-time work. So, so just within that, my goal was to finally just one day get my surveying license to be a professional land surveyor. But when I gave all of my heart, when I did what this young one, when I did what this woman did that we talked about this woman, this, when I did what we talked about this morning, morning that the woman did, man, that was, that was hard. That was so hard. But y'all follow me, right? Y'all online, y'all follow me too? Good. So what she did was though she gave it all. She gave it all. And so what I lost was I lost my ambitions of my own goals. And I began to view the things that God wanted from my life. You see, I, you know, my sister's sitting here, and I don't even know if she remembers this, but I remember as a kid, and I think Debbie was sitting there, we had like our stuffed animals, because we were poor. I mean, and we didn't have a lot of toys, you know, so we probably shared toys, you know, and I didn't, I'm not saying I played with baby dolls. Don't get me on that one. But, it, it, well, you, but you know what? But the reality of sh what I'm... <laughs> <laughs> what I'm getting to here is that the reality is that I remember, I, I very vividly remember placing the animals around. And I'd set up like a pulpit, like I was preaching. And, and I had to have been four or five, maybe six years old, and, and I was acting like I was preaching. You know, and I, you know, we grew up in a holiness church where they would walk across the pews and, and they'd slap their hands on the, the thing. And I'm like, man, that would hurt. But, but, but it, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not about that. But the reality is, is, is I remember, it's just like Joseph had a dream. Remember Joseph? Joseph had a dream. But you know what his dream was? 
His dream was what God placed inside of him. It was never about what he wanted to do. And he didn't understand the process that he had to go through. And there's so much turmoil that it caused him. But you know what the reality is? He remained faithful. He remained faithful. You know, and here we are. God gives us a dream. And then we're sitting here like six months later. I'm guilty on this because I tried to start church over three years ago, almost four years ago. I tried to have a service here. And we had the most people we ever had in a service that, that Saturday was 22 people. And I'm like, okay, Lord, this is awesome. And then COVID was, on, was running rampant. And then I was like, oh, well, I don't get this. So, but I had I, I had the dream that God had placed in me. And then it was like three months later, six months later, and nothing's happening here. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? I know that you've called me. And I began to question what he's called me to. But there was so much junk that God had to get out of me. You know, once we finished drawing all of the water out of a well, well, what's at the bottom? Dirt. Dirt. Junk. And God had to remove all of that mess out of my life and guess what ain't none of us in here any differently there's junk that God wants to remove out of our life but he's not going to remove it unless we let him man I'm preaching so good this morning and I'm already running so short on time I ain't even got into the message yet and I'm sitting here recapping but Holy Spirit I'm just going to obey whatever you want so we so we talked about Joseph so in John chapter 12 verses 24 it says this it says, and I tell you the truth. So that means he wants you to understand he's not lying here, right? He, he wants you to understand this. He said, unless a kernel, which is a seed of wheat, is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And unless we die, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot be the more that God has called us to. We can't impact the people that God has called us to impact unless we first die. And what's dying to us? Dying just simply means it ceases to exist. So, so we're getting to a part, and, and we're, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep going here before I start stumbling. So, so as, we, as we stay reminded that at the state of dying, we move on to the process of growing. So, and growing is a natural process that takes place. It's natural. It just, it takes place. You don't have to, you don't have to put that seed, when you put it in the ground and it, and it dies, what, what dies? It's not what's on the inside that dies. It's what's on the outside that dies. Y'all follow me on that. The seed dies on the outside. So what do we die to? Our flesh. We die to our flesh. That's what's ceasing to exist. So growing is a natural process. So you don't have to look at that seed when it's in the ground. You don't have to pull the dirt up every single day to look to see if it's going to grow. If you give it what it needs, and what does it need? It needs water. It needs that sunlight. So it, it is natural for that seed to begin to produce a root, right? It's just natural. So, so why will we think that it's any different in our walk with Christ? So, so if we've not gotten to the point of dying, we're not going to start the growing process. He said, unless it dies, he said, all it's going to do is be alone. It remains alone. All it's going to do is be alone when God has called us to do so much more. Man, and this series may just may just continue on. I may have to get our guest speaker to come another Sunday. Uh, but we'll just we'll keep walking as the Lord uh, tells us to walk. 
So, so we identify it by our thirst and our hunger for righteousness is what causes the seed to begin because it, the first thing it wants is it wants some water. When we first plant it, we put water in it. What do we do with our plants when we got them outside? We give them water. What do we do when we have a garden? We give it water. Why? It, it's that part of that process that because it's hungry. So what did we equate that with last week? What do we equate that with? The Word of God. Matthew chapter 5, those that thirst and hunger at the righteousness, what? Shall be filled. They shall be. It didn't say that they might. It said they shall. So when we talked about that, everybody that sits at the table is not hungry, right? We've all sat there and we've picked over our food, especially if it ain't something we want to eat. So we asked the question last week is, do we read what we believe or do we believe what we read? I just switched two words around. But you see what I'm saying here? Do we eat the parts that we don't like? Do we eat our greens? Do we eat our collars? Do we eat the things that we don't like to eat? Knowing that they're good for us, right? They might not taste good, but they're good for us. I mean, don't get me wrong, man, like that is some good old pound cake with some, some something on top of it with some strawberries. Man, that's good too, but you know what? It's not even healthy for me like, it, like those collars or like those spinach or, and I'm so glad that we have a twist on our collards, you know, because that sure, because I don't really like the taste of collards outside of having a fried collard sprinkled with sugar. You know, if it, if it ain't fried, it ain't Southern. You know, it's the way we say it down here. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. Maybe I just made that up, but it was good though, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we develop a habit of consuming God's heart when we're reading His Word. We develop a habit of consuming what He wants to speak to us. James 4, 7, and 8 says this. Read with me. It says, so humble yourselves before God and then do what? So, but you can't resist the devil until what? Y'all follow me on this. So when we humble ourselves before God, then, then we have power, we have authority to walk to what we've submitted to, right? I, I just want to make sure that this is crystal over here. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now here's my favorite part right here. He says, come close to God and God will come close to you. What does that mean? Micah, come here for a minute. I want to use you for an example. You don't need that bracelet. Come here for a minute. Come stand right here. Now, I want you to stand right there. And it, Now, uh, here's what I'm going to do. When I take a step to you, then you're going to take one step to me, okay? Lord, I just thank you so much for all your blessings. Lord, everything that I do is for your glory. Lord, everything about me, Lord, is for your kingdom. Lord, everything that you've called me to do benefits you. And, and seeing what happens here, thank you, you can go sit back down. Give them a hand clap for that one. But see, what happens there is that as I begin to do what he's calling me to do, as I begin to, to usher into that hunger and that, that, that thirst of right of being righteous and living in the standards that he's called me to do what we just saw that we come close but who took the first step you, you. oh sucky sucky who took the first step i took the first step 
But sometimes, sometimes what? If we can walk forward, then what can we also do? Oh, oh, y'all follow me on that. So we can also walk away from God. And it doesn't mean that God's left us or forsaken us. But what that tells me is, God, okay, you know, I'm just, there's some other things going on right now. And I just need to put my focus on you. But see, but, but my Bible tells me this. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And then what? All of these things will be added unto me. I know that that was King James Version. Do you want the layman's term on that? Lord, when I seek your way of doing things, everything else has a way of lining up. You get that? When I do the way, when I do things in kingdom order, then everything else follows in suit. So it's just like a, a, a train. You take a train, maybe, uh, maybe you take a car or a truck, and it's got seven or eight trailers hooked up to it, but they're not in a row. Well, what happens? One's turned this way, another one's turned this way, another one's turned this way, and another one's turned this way. So they're not in line. But what happens when the very beginning begins to move forward? What happens? When we begin to move forward, all of those things behind us, will eventually line up they will eventually line up but the first thing you got to do is you got to move forward you got to walk into the more of what that god's called us to let me man i'm getting excited here amen so as we begin to consume god's word we are taking root and moving close to god's heart and the more we consume and let the root take hold we can then move forward into what's next so here we are i've got 32 minutes to throw the rest of this out there for you. So, so now that we are understanding, we are all on the same page, we are understanding, okay, so now I'm giving it water. So usually what begins to happen next is once it's taken root, it usually we begin to see that sprout come out of the ground, right? It becomes visible. Oh, y'all follow me, y'all seeing this now. It becomes visible. It becomes visible. It's, it's no longer unseen. It has broken the ground and it becomes visible. And everybody else is seeing that here too. So, 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 and now, today, we're going to begin to usher in and talk about the parable of the sower. And before, in Mark chapter 4. And at the end of this, here's what Jesus said after he gave this to the disciples. Listen to me for a second. Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, if you don't get this parable, if you don't get this story, if you don't comprehend, if you don't let this hit home with you, here's what he said. Jesus said, if you don't get this parable, maybe I'm doing this backwards with the game, but if you don't get this parable, none of the other parables are going to make any sense. What does that tell me? What's that right there? That's key. That's key. That's key to God's heart. That is a key to His kingdom. And so in what we're preaching here is we're not, uh, uh, I'm just going to be bold and say this, a lot of churches, a lot of ministers don't preach this. They, they want to give you the feel-good message. And I'm not knocking other preachers or other churches, but I'm saying, why have we skipped the fundamentals? Why are we skipping these key principle things that need to be spoken about? And, and, and maybe it's just the fact that maybe everybody in their church is a disciple and they're making disciples and and that's exactly what we're supposed to be doing but for me and in 
my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Not just my house, but this house. Because, because the Word says that correction first begins in the house of the Lord. So read along with me here, verse 3. And it says, listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath, and the birds came, and he ate it. Others fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it did not develop deep roots, it died. Verse 7. Others, other seed... Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they, they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile ground, and they sprouted, grew, excuse me, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as they had planted. Then he said, anyone, who, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. For my King James scholars, well, what, is, what does this say? He that has an ear, let him hear. So that means we, there's, a reflection, there's a reflection here of two different types of hearing. There's hearing, but here it says that they should listen and then understand. So to get understanding means to get what? To get revelation. What have we talked about in the book of Psalms? Says that the book of Proverbs says is that the beginning of knowledge is what? Is the fear of the Lord. So this has got to be practical in our life. So we're not going to get this. We're not going to get a revelation of this unless we are walking in a healthy fear of God. Not fear of, ooh, I'm scared of you, but I'm in all of you. I venerate you. I, I honor you. I esteem you. You are the main thing. You know, it's like I've said before, Jesus Christ is everybody's Savior. Why is that? Because he died for everybody. But he's not everyone's Lord because everyone's not serving him. Let's just be real and blunt up front about that. So, so uh, anyway, so long story short, short story long. So, so we're going to place our focus here on verses 5 and 7 though. 5 and 7. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since it had no deep root, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant so that they could produce, uh, so, so they produced no grain. So I'm just going to uh, speak here to you for, for just a moment. And so I'm going to be real honest with you and I'm going to say this. Many Christians in the church, I was once here, and that's why I'm going to say that is because I was, I was one of those, those Christians, have ceased with the process of just being a seed. I'm just going to ask the Lord just to be my Savior. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just so fine with sitting back here on the back pew. I'll come to church every other Sunday or I'll come uh, uh, once a month. I, I, I'll, I'll give a couple dollars in the offering plate. Pastor, please don't call on me to do anything. I, all I want to do is just be a seed. Oh, Lord, bless your heart. See, but Jesus never called us to be converts. What did he call us to be? What did he say in Matthew 28, 19? Go ye therefore and make disciples of all men. 
God has called each and every one of us to be disciples. And what is a disciple? Is, is just the same thing that I'm doing here today. Is, is I'm just practically just teaching you the Word of God so that what? So that it becomes practical in your life. And then what? And then you begin to place it into somebody else's. So you become that seed that's died and now you are being sent out to produce more fruit. How many of us ever ate orange? An apple? Watermelon? They all have seeds, right? That seed was given for a reason. If the, if the watermelon or the fruit or whatever that we're eating right now, if that seed had not been planted, would we be eating that watermelon? You see, and what we did was we counted on somebody to labor for that seed, to plant that seed. And there's people's lives that are in the balance as well, ladies and gentlemen, that God has called me and He's called you to touch. You see, and when we face God, when we come to God, when we come face to face with God, you know that's going to be one of the things that we're judged for. Is how do we impact lives for His name, for His kingdom? How do we bring glory to His name? How do we lead people to Him? That we teach people how to be able to read the Bible themselves. Have we? So many have failed to bring death to their sinful ways. I've been there. I've been there. We've all been there. Let's just be honest with ourselves. And some that have brought death has only partially submitted and lacked the hunger for God's righteousness. Again, I'm, I'm going to come to church on Sundays and I'm fine, but you know, Pastor, please don't ask me to read my Bible. Please, please don't ask me to do no more than what I'm doing. And, and, and the only reason that I'm, I'm being upfront about this is because this was a practicality. This was a practice for me. Was I was just fine saying, hey, I'm a Christian. But knowing that God has called me to so much more. So how could we not want the more when we know that God gave all? So a seed that has sprung forth but never amounts to anything. That's what some Christians have became. And the reason why they became this way is because of where they're planted. So what does that tell me? It matters where we go to church at. It matters the teaching that we're listening to. It matters where we're reading at in the Bible. It matters where our relationship with God is. Is because of that seed. Sometimes if that seed would have been planted three feet over, well, guess what? It would have been in good soil. But because of where it was planted, it was planted and there was a rock bed up underneath. So you imagine a rock that may have a cave, a curve in it like this, and you put soil in it. Well, what happens? You can put a seed there because there's dirt, right? And, and the seed's going to come forth, but guess what? What's really going to happen is that a seed is never going to amount to be anything because it has no depth. Where is our depth with God? Where is the depth of our relationship with God? And so I want to point out this very same thing that Jesus said that if we don't get this parable, then none of the other ones are going to make any sense. If we, This is the only parable that Jesus ever said that. I'm not making this up. I'll read it to you if you really want me to. But it's in that same chapter there, Mark chapter 4. You can go read it for yourself that Jesus actually said that. So, so these are two examples that, that, that Jesus gave us about a seed 
or even a plant that begins to become visible that never amounts to anything. So because they have no depth, then they become nothing. They wither away because it gets hot, right? What was the second thing? The ones that was planted among what? Among thorns. And it said that they were, they were choked out. Well, why were they choked out? Because what the because the plant was so young, but yet those that are practicing in their sin are strong in their ways. So what happens is it begins to take all of its nutrients. It begins to take. You're waiting for me to say that, won't you? I, I'm going to say it. It takes all its nutrients. And so I got it out. I just had to say that one. <laughs> Give y'all a little laugh. <laughs> but but it robs it from all of its nutrients. And so the root, the root is not getting what it's supposed to be getting. So you want me to give you an example? You see, here's the thing is, is Jesus hung out with sinners, right? But Jesus didn't sin. So the question to us is, are we rooted enough that we can hang out with people that are sinners? But do we become who they are or do they become who we are? You see, I'm going to just be real honest with you. I was cutting grass the other day, and the Lord laid a young man on my heart, and he said, I have a word of warning for you to give this young man. So I was like, well, I'm not just going to show up at his door, Lord. I said, I'm going to just shoot him a text. We all have a phone, and we, we can all text now. So I text him because I didn't want to catch him off guard because sometimes he may be busy. It is It was hunting season. just started yesterday, I believe. So... So I'm pretty sure that he was out hunting. But nevertheless, the Lord laid him on my heart and I texted him and uh, tried to, went back and forth with him a little bit. He said, what's up, man? Is everything okay? I said, man, I was just wondering if you had any free time just to sit down and talk. And, and you know what he said? He said, look, man, he said, don't take this the wrong way. He said, but I'm just going to be real honest with you. He said, if you're trying to talk to me about religious stuff, he said, I don't, I'm not going to listen to that. And then I just kind of sat back and I prayed and I said, well, Lord, I said, you told me to do this. So what do I do? The Lord reminded me the last conversation me and this young man had a year ago, the guy told me, he said, because I asked him, I said, I said, give me a little bit of your time and let me talk with you. And he never made no time. So what did I do? I reminded him of what he said. I said, last time we spoke, I said, you said that you would give me a few minutes of your time. You know what his response was? You're right, I did say that. See the door that God has still left open there because of something? You know, and I told him, I said, I'm not going to push anything on you. That's not my place is to push it on you, but my place is to preach it to you. You just choose if you accept it or not. You, I can walk to your house and leave you a gift, and if you don't take it and I leave it at the door, then you've chosen not to take that gift, and God lays those gifts before us, and we choose to either take them, receive them, or to not take them. And, and I've not been back in contact with that young man, and that's not the important part here, but the reality is is that that God has a way. And, and, and saying I, I used to have a problem was I couldn't be around people that were strong in their sin and still be who I am in Christ because then I wanted to what? I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be doing the things that they were doing. You see, but now I don't have a problem. People knows, people already know if you give me two, two to five minutes, give me two to five minutes and we're going to be talking about Jesus.
or our conversation is going to be over. That's just, that's just who I am. The old me is dead. I'm hungry for God and I've not been planted in a rock bed and I've not been placed among the thorns. I have been placed in that good soil that God said that I will produce 30, 60, and 100. And if you'll stay tuned, if you'll come back next week, we'll talk about bearing fruit. Amen. No, we're not done yet. Just in case y'all were wondering. Because I didn't say, hey, we're coming to a close. I got y'all on that one, right? <laughs> so, so, wah, wah, wah. So, this tells me that because of where we are planted, or where they, these seeds were planted, they lacked, a, they lacked fellowship with God. They lacked fellowship with God. Fellowship just simply means what? Mutual movement. Fellowship means mutual movement, mutual movement. So will we ever place our own seeds among places that will cause them to not be full potential? Would we really plant a seed next to the road? Why not? Because we know that it's, it has a high probability that it's not going to survive out there next to the road. Somebody's going to run over it. Something's going to happen. Would I plant a garden if I know I got a bunch of deer? Would I not put a fence around it? Would I not try to protect it? So what I'm telling you here, what I'm saying is the placement of our seeds, it, it dictates how it's going to produce a harvest. So I just I wanted to drive a couple of those things home here. So so are we being intentional about where we're placing the word of God? Has it become intentional? You know, it's just like I told the 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 young lady or the young couple that I was uh, ministering to last Sunday night and and I said, yeah, I said I read my Bible every day. I said, you know how much I read this week? I don't know. So I've read a chapter and a half all week long. What? Do you read really slow? No, I just let the Word read me. I'll let this come saturated. If you take and you, if you turn the water on in the sink and you got a big old towel, are you going to take and do like this? And then it's just full of water. No, it has to sit there and it has to soak and it has to absorb. And, and that's what I do when I get in God's Word is I begin to absorb every part of it think a seed think that a seed don't do the very same thing now you don't get me wrong you can drown a seed so i want us to be clear on that but the same thing is is, is when it's watered in the proportion that it's supposed to be watered i ain't talking about sitting here reading your bible 24 hours a day seven days a week i'm talking about taking this word and placing it in you and putting it into the places that it should be so, so if we're going to be intentional about that, then we have to acknowledge that our foundation is important. And that's about where we're planted. Our foundation is important. If, if we were to build this house and never put a concrete foundation or put floor joists down, would we ever put the walls up? Would we ever put the, the roof up? No, because what's going to happen is it's going to fall apart. So that tells us how important our foundation is. It's how important our foundation is. So what, what's the foundation of your car? Your tires. If your tires are dry rotted, if they're flat, if, if, if they really need to be replaced, if they're bald, how much riding are you going to do on them? You're not because your, the, your travel is based off of what your tires are. That's why it's so important to have good tires on your car. And anyways, I know that's off subject, but it kind of helps you relate here a little bit. So our foundation is key to the harvest. 
Our foundation, our foundation is key to the harvest. And I want to touch on this for a few moments. And I'm coming to a close. Bear with me. Give me about 10 minutes. So if our foundation is incorrect or if our foundation is compromised, what you mean? Well, I'm trying to build a big old house. But I'm only going to pour about this much concrete on the bottom of it. It still is not going to hold what I'm trying to build here. The bigger the building, the bigger the foundation. The bigger the building, the bigger the foundation. Why is that? Because it's got so much that it needs to support. That's why, that's why God would not let me start church. That's why God would not let me start SLM until I had a rock solid foundation. If you know me, you know me already. I, I am an extrovert. Would y'all say that? Not an introvert. Introvert is someone that's shy. I'm an extrovert. I, I will talk to anybody. And sometimes I'll get to talking to people and Becky was like, well, Kaylee and Becky will be sitting here, wonder what they're talking about. I give you one guess. <laughs> and that's just, but see, they already know who I am. Yeah, I take my daddy for the same, for the same reason is if you give daddy a few minutes, the Lord, uh, it's not that my daddy's perfect, but it's just like me, I'm not perfect, but I'm like, Lord, Lord, is there a door that you want me to step through today? Is there somebody that you want me to be salt and light to? Is there somebody that I can benefit for your kingdom? Not that it brings glory to me, but that it brings glory to you. I was at the gas station the other day getting some gas uh, in for my lawnmower, and a young man approached me right when I was finishing up. He's like, hey, man, you want to take something off my hand? Who's ever heard somebody say that before? They're trying to sell you something. Hey, man, you, can you take something off my hands? I looked at him. I said, you selling some bottles? He looked at me. He's like, what? I said, are you selling some bottles? I said, because that's the only thing we're going to take with us when we leave is God's word. I mean, he just kind of he just kind of laughed and tried to shake that one off. But what it did was it caught him off guard. He thought he caught me off guard, but the reality is, is when you put God's word out there, you catch Satan off guard. I'm just preaching real good right now. So 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 we have preached this in earlier in, earlier in this year by in our series called Keys to the Kingdom. And this was called Foundations 101 and Foundations 102. You can go back and listen to that series. But I'm going to talk about this for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 5, chapter 5 verses 11 through 14 says this. I'm getting close. Hold, hold on with me now. He said, there is so much more we would like to talk about, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Wow. I mean, that's like, like, man, did, did you just really say that? You know, and sometimes, you know, I can imagine, my wife don't ever say this, but I'm, I can imagine she might say sometimes, I can't believe you said that while you were preaching. And I'm thinking like, why didn't I say it sooner? You know, because if it's changed my life, man, it can change yours as well. So, so here's what the writer of Hebrews meant. And then he didn't stop here. He continued on, man. He was just opening the door right here. And he says, verse 12, watch this. He said, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. 
Wow. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are what? Mature. mature. The Greek word for mature there is teleos. Mature, complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. Who, who through training, uh-oh, have the skills to recognize the difference between what's right and wrong. And as I've heard others say in times past, to, do, to know the difference between what's right and what's almost right. Because if it's almost right, then it's still wrong. But some the book of Jeremiah says there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a way that seems right. But the end is death. The end is death. But when we go back to this and we think about it, how many 20-year-olds have you seen sitting in a restaurant sucking on a bottle? How many 20-year-olds, uh, if they're in their right mind, now don't get me wrong, is, is wearing diapers? So why are 20-year-old Christians in the church still wearing diapers and make the most noise? That's one of those things I'm like, man, I can't believe you just said that. But yes, I said that. And, and I've been guilty, you know, because I was, I, I still struggled in my relationship with God and I was serving as a youth pastor in times past. And I was still struggling with situations, but God had to, had to get me rooted and He had to get me grounded in who He is. When we know who we are in Him, then we know who He is in our life. I didn't make a slide for that one, but that one sounded really good. It said, so, so, but here he didn't stop here because now we're going to roll over into chapter 6. See, and, and when we roll over into chapter 6, you see he begins with the word so. So we've never, we've never opened a book before and they begin the next chapter with the word so. But, but the word so really means therefore, and if it means therefore, that means it's there for a reason. So listen to this. He said, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Why do we have to keep telling you of how you're supposed to be living in Christ? Why do we got to keep going over this? And that's because they lack a foundation. Excuse me. So he continues here. He said, let us go on instead and become mature. Excuse me. In our understanding, the word understanding there is also revelation. We get no revelation. We get no knowledge unless we walk. We walk in the fear of God. So he says, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of what? Repenting from evil deeds. What does the word repent mean? I've been saying this all year. It's the Greek word metania. What does it mean? To have a change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. To have a change, he didn't. No, no, not not a change of mind, because how many how many times have we changed our mind, but our heart is still telling us to do something different? But it's having a change of heart that is manifested by the way that we live. So what does that mean? Uh, John the uh, John the Baptist told the Pharisees in John chapter three. He said he said repent and prove that you've repented by the way that you live. Wow. So, so being repentful, it becomes visible. Let's go on here. He said, uh, where are we at? 
Okay, repent of evil deeds and place your faith in God. So if we ever notice that Jesus, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, when Paul preached, well, what was the message that they preached? Jesus said this so many times. He said, repent of your sins and turn to God. This is the very first part of the foundation. This is the very first part of the foundation. He said in verse number two, he said, you don't need further instructions about baptisms. Where's it at right here? Da, 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 da. It's different on my screen. About what? Is that an S on the end? That means it's plural. It's more than one. There's more than just one baptism. I ain't talking about being baptized in the water twice. I'm talking about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about being baptized in fire. Uh, there's so many baptisms, uh, and we can go over that uh, again some other time, and I'm sure we'll, we'll touch on that again. Uh, but you can always go back and see that again. Uh, so, and the laying on of hands. Now, again, these are foundational teachings. These are fundamental teachings. But if we're not hearing this being preached in the church, well, then what are, what, are, what are they building on? Paul said, you can't build on any other rock except for Jesus Christ. And this was Jesus Christ. So if we're building anything other than that, you're not building. You're building on your own gospel. So this was the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me continue. The resurrection of the dead and what? Eternal judgment. What does eternal mean? How, how did they say it on... No, how did they say it on uh, Sandlot? Forever. 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 But it, it, it is forever and ever. It is, in other words, this word here simply means to to exist outside of time because time is no timetable of what forever is there's no drop in the hat no drop in the bucket of what time really is we can try to think about it but our mindset is what we've known people to live 80 years 70 years 90 years old and we're like man they were really old but you know what that is compared to forever it's nothing because any number any number times zero is what? It's still zero. So infinity times zero or a million years times zero is still zero. If they, if they say that the world is a million years old or, or however they want to say it, biblically we're a lot younger than that. But the reality is, is that any number times itself is, times zero is still zero. So any number that we can think of and when we compare it to eternity, it still doesn't touch it. But see, so we got to understand that our, our, our judgments are going to be what? So we got to understand that our judgment that we're going to face is eternal. I, I don't care how Catholicism or the Catholics may say, well, they'll go to purgatory. Okay, but this is not what Jesus Christ was teaching. The judgment that you have once you leave here, that's forever. That's forever. There's no change in God's judgment. There's no change in, in, in how, how we'll be judged. So the writer of Hebrews said what needed to be said. And the very same thing that, that the writers of Hebrew had to say is the very same thing that we are saying here today. And this message is still needing to be preached today. Does, does the right place doesn't oh man I think I, I got that wrong but 
But how can we, we place the emphasis any better than knowing that our foundation is good? Knowing that our foundation is good. Because if you take that root and it begins to spread and begins to sprout and it, and, it, and it sends one up above the ground, if that foundation isn't like it's supposed to be, then it's not going to be the everything that we're going to talk about next week. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you today, Lord, for your word. Lord, a word that, Lord, I'm just going to be real honest with you, Lord. It, it is, was so challenging for me, and it is still challenging for me today, Lord, to make sure that my foundation is firm, Lord, in you. Lord, that, that we can only be, Lord, the everything that you've called us to be if we're in the right place. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, here today, Lord, those that may be sitting here, those that may be viewing us online, those that may be listening to us via podcast, Lord, Lord, that, that you, you plant these people, Lord, right where you want them. You plant them in the place that they need to be planted. Lord, and as we've heard in your word today, Father Lord, the challenge, the challenge to make sure that we're doing right. But Lord, we understand, we have that understanding, Lord, that this is the process. This is part of the process. This is a process, Lord, that cannot be denied. It cannot be tampered with. It's, it's the evidence, Lord. And it's all found, Lord, right here in your word, Lord, that's been broken up before us today. Lord, as, as we may be guilty, Lord, on so many tokens, Lord, about not being planted right or being in the places, Lord, that we shouldn't be or being with the people that we shouldn't be because, Lord, it will cost us, Lord, not to be the everything that you've called us to be. But, Lord, when we learn, when we learn, Lord, to just continue to be hungry and thirsty, Lord, after walking and having fellowship with you, Lord, Lord, that we can begin to be to to make this foundation, Lord, everything that it's supposed to be. Lord, bless the remainder of our time, Lord, here together, Lord. Bless those that are here. Bless those that are viewing us, those that are listening to us, Lord. Be with them. Keep them safe. Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that if somebody doesn't know you, if somebody has even a question mark in their mind, Lord, about where they may spend eternity, Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you do exactly what you said that you were going to do, that you would bring conviction of sin. And if you're viewing us, if you're here today, it's just as simple as saying, Lord, Lord, I repent and I turn to God. That, that was the very beginning of our foundation as we saw here. Lord, that I'm, I'm so sorry, Lord, that I've done life my way. I'm so sorry, Lord, that I have been doing it that's opposite of who you are. Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Help me to move forward, Lord, into the everything that you've called me to, Lord. I know that it's going to be trying. I know that, that there's going to be heartache. I know that it's, it's going to cause pain, Lord. But, Lord, I'm in this to win this, Lord, because when I look at you that one day, when I take my last breath, Lord, I want you to hear. I want to hear your word say, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. Not those that are half-hearted, those that have been faithful. So, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for those that you are touching right now. Lord, and we just thank you, Lord, for your presence that's been here with us today. We thank you for your love, Lord. Bless us and bring us back safely, Lord, as you see fit. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.